Welcome to episode 82 of the Grip Strip Podcast, Porridge and Carnage Edition. Uh, that goes multiple ways, not just on Valtteri Botas winning the Turkish Grand Prix and the nonsense that is the Roval, um, but, you know, the certain people are so into it, and, I mean, it is what it is. It basically is why NASCAR thinks street course racing could work. Uh, my name is Philip Matthew. I'm here with my co-host, Josh Fine. What's good, brother? I'm doing good, Phil. It's been an interesting week. You know, we had uh, a lot of action uh, at the Roval uh, F1. Valtteri Botas uh, won a race for the first time since 2020 at Russia. You know, I beat you at fantasy, at fantasy football. Uh, wasn't as uh, big as what I wanted it to be, but still ended up getting W, which is what counts. Um, interesting weekend overall with uh, sports. I mean, we got a lot, of, a lot of stuff to talk about with NFL and all that stuff. So ready to get into it. Oh, yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is it was a interesting week you did get me i ended up being the lucky loser uh this week but it was a close matchup a lot of lot to do with um lamar jackson learning how to throw a football uh that i mean who knew that he could do that i don't think he's been able to do that since he was in louisville but the indianapolis colts defense some um, decided that they wanted to be like an acc team and mark andrews came out of hibernation for the first time in like a year and a half conveniently against me but um that's beside the point i let that go uh, I got killed in one of my leagues, the other league that I've been struggling in with help with from my friend Vic taking it on as a co-manager. We finally won a game. So we'll take that. I'm still in third place in my league. Reality is Josh was great last year. It's great this year. It's no surprise. You know, Josh has to compensate for the fact that he doesn't have a coach in, in real life. Um, and, and it really doesn't have much of a team either. So he makes up for it with fantasy and makes up for it with driving, makes up for it in many other ways, which is why he's here. Um, on my end, um, I'm still buzzing. I post finally got to post it on my socials that um, put my high game up bowling this uh tuesday league i've been bowling about as good as i ever have so averaging around 170 something getting in the one close to that 180 number and uh had the front nine uh yesterday in the first game it was like unconscious i mean i had a rough day and then show up and take off the front nine with the trend and uh, belmo ball and uh promptly once i really start thinking about it and had time to think about it i go and shit myself in the 10th but the fact of the matter is i won some cash and um it was cool you know to bowl that bowl my high game 267 um you know bowling for 26 years um as i have um high game and in the last whatever i don't know how many months in the last six months i've upped my high game twice but doing it in league and doing it in a league like this with the kind of competitive players there are um was huge so um hopefully there will be greater announcements greater scores of up to about 10 pins each time now so we will 240s 250s 260s um soon enough we'll talk about the three uh but that'll um not and we're not talking about tyler reddick's car that looks like dale earnhardt's car um that he's gonna be racing this weekend at texas um we'll get into horse turkish grand prix everything that came from that all the craziness especially lewis hamilton we'll talk about the roval and who advanced who's out uh, more or less the status quo at the vic in the winners we'll get into the in terms of the racing other than that you had uh imsa gt at virginia national raceway 
the controversial uh, finale, DTM finale at the Norris Ring. Uh, World Superbikes will be racing in Argentina, in Argentina, on a newer track this weekend. Uh, IndyCar Silly Season, uh, Jack Harvey uh, officially announced as a driver for Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan, but surprisingly um, will be going to the, the high V car which I think a lot of people, including myself, thought was going to go to either Rupi or Floathead or Oliver Askew. It's not that it's out of the realm that they could possibly get one of those guys to drive than what was the 30 car, I guess, um, and drive that car uh, next year, but we will see. Uh, other things have been going on. Kyle Kirkwood, the Indy Lights champion, too, has been testing today. So we'll get into all that and, um, you know, talk football. Both of our teams suck. Um, Trey Lance got killed. Um, Trevor Lawrence, at least, you know, and James Robinson show up for you guys. You have some really good players. Problem is you don't have a coach or a GM or general leadership. Um, they're better don't off. don't have an owner either. Yeah, don't have an owner. I mean, they do, they do a better job with the wrestling company than they do with um, their football team. Uh, but it is what it is. Niners don't have an owner either, and I'm starting to wonder if we have a coach or a GM. But we'll get into that. Fantasy looks a lot better. Um, Josh will talk sim, and we'll uh, give her a close. So porridge, on National Porridge Day, no less, that came up during the Grid Talk podcast when we were doing the um, recap. Uh, give that a listen if you want. Um, I was on there uh, on Sunday for the with Owen and um, Jawad. And um, National Porridge Day saw Mr. Porridge himself get his first win in over a year. And Mother Russia was last time Valtteri Botas had won. It's his 10th Formula One win, so it's a big, you know, milestone number. And uh, probably will be his last. Uh, dominant, uh, which to say the least, he started, basically got the pole from Lewis Hamilton because Lewis Hamilton took the 10 grid slot penalty, lights the flag, had challenges from the Red Bull guys, but it really wasn't. Lewis had the fastest car, came from 11th, was in a position that could possibly have won with the mixed conditions if they had made certain decisions, but um, Mercedes Strat, uh, Lewis's uh, hesitancy to want to come in and then eventually coming in, but maybe too late, costs him a podium and instead he finishes fifth. Max Verstappen finishes second, gains points, and uh, takes the points lead back as they go to Circuit of the Americas, which we will preview next week on episode 83 or episode Lake Speed. Or yeah, we'll say Lake Speed um, because the other guy who drove the 83 in a Cup Series uh, was married to a Reaper. Uh, but um, yeah, Valtteri Botas returns to uh, the top step of the podium red bull guys verstappen and perez end up uh finishing on the podium and the white and the white bulls and uh yeah i mean i guess credit to valtteri botas saying the fastest car during that weekend and uh finishing the job like he's hired to do yeah i mean valtteri botas i mean i forgot that porridge is oatmeal i mean it's basically that's what it is but no mr mr oatmeal but uh i mean this, this is an interesting race with uh, the way the weather played out i feel like this season we've had definitely a lot of uh wet races uh this year and it seems like it's been quite a handful but i mean as far as the action itself i mean Val valtteri botas started on pole benefited from lewis hamilton taking the grid penalty uh, um, where he started 11th 
but I mean, he was able to start out, lead the race and then pit strategy kind of affected it in the middle. Um, Leclerc uh, took the lead uh, briefly, but then got it back once uh, he had the pit. And then it was basically Valtteri Bottas's race. But then, yeah, as far as uh, the championship goes, uh, of course, as mentioned, uh, Lewis had to take a grid penalty there and kind of struggled really to get up to the uh, to the lead there or you know up up front and took a while for him to pass guys. He had issues passing uh, Yuki Sonoda, uh, struggling pass for eighth early on in the race. Um, but he's able to make his way up to third. And I think he, he thought maybe he could uh, pit or not pit uh, in the race and just uh, have a one set tire strategy there. But uh, ultimately the team overruled him there and he ended up finishing in fifth place and lost ground to Max Verstappen there in the championship. And you have to kind of question the uh, strategy there, at least the the timing of it, because uh, it was a uh, kind of late, uh, kind of a, a delayed move, if you will. Like they had the ability to pit like at least 15 laps earlier, and they kind of just debated it and debated uh, if they uh, should pit or not. And then by the time he had to pit, uh, it was kind of too late to make up the ground there, uh, even with a car like he has. Uh, so you just have to kind of question whether they could have, if they decided to pit maybe they should have hit a little earlier to give him time to um, make up the distance there uh, to the other cars uh, like Sergio Perez. But uh, I mean, that was, that was kind of the factor in the decision because uh, he was able to uh, put distance on Perez and, um, and they're, they're battling. And then as Perez decided to pit, he thought maybe he could make it on one set of tires, but it's not really the way it ended up working out. So now Lewis finishes fifth when maybe he could have finished third or maybe even second uh, in this race and left uh, some valuable points on the table. And uh, Max Verstappen now has uh, the points lead once again uh, in this championship. So it's going to be interesting uh, as we go down uh, to the end of the season. Uh, I mean, Lewis is now behind uh what six points in this uh championship so it's beginning to swing back in Verstappen's favor and Verstappen was basically um behind Valtteri Bottas this entire race but then uh was able to come back and finish second uh with uh, the uh pitch strategy that they had as well so it was a I mean really interesting race the you, you may have thought that Leclerc could have been able to uh, pass or take the lead there and, and potentially win the race, but uh, they just didn't have uh, the tire strategy uh, right. And they, they had a gamble there to be able to try to win uh, without a pit stop. But of course um, they ended up pitting anyways. And that led uh, to Valtteri Bottas winning uh, his first race since last year at, at Russia in 2020. So uh, as we go forward, uh, six point lead for uh, Verstappen is a, kind of back into his favor. So now it's going to uh, take uh, something really significant. I think Lewis has to win the next race to at least even it out. Uh, if he doesn't win and Max wins, he's going to continue to lose ground uh, in that. So he has to, at the very least, finish above uh, Max Verstappen there as we continue on with this season. So uh, just continue to uh, the battle swing back and forth between Verstappen and Hamilton. Yeah, and you consider they haven't made any calls in regards to Mexico. They haven't made any calls in regards to Brazil. Um, it's a possibility, you know, but I doubt it at this point. It's too far in. They've gone too far right now to where they can get a replacement race. So they're probably going to run those three races. How that might affect uh, things before they go to the Middle East for the last three races of the year. 
um, with COVID and there's guys in the NFL that are going out with COVID. So there's a possibility, you know, Lewis did get it and had to miss a race in last year. So, I mean, that could possibly play a role. Um, Pitt members, you know, team members and stuff like that. But in regards to this points championship, I think it goes down to the wire. It goes down to Abu Dhabi. Um, as it stands, it's been that way all year. They've been swapping the points lead basically every race, every other race or something. Um, one of the tightest battle, basically the tightest battle they've had since 2012, uh, which was basic, which was Alonzo v. Vettel and uh, saw Vettel uh, earn his fourth or third consecutive world championship at that point. And uh, we'll see if Max can get his first. It would be something if he was able to do that for the sport, for Red Bull, for Honda, all that, um, knocking off the man that's basically dominated Formula One since 2014, uh, the all-time winningest driver in Formula One and all the other records and accolades that Lewis Hamilton has. I mean, the strategy, you know, you get used to it as a fan of his with the way Mercedes has done things. And, and you can make an argument. I And you can make an honest argument that Lewis was part of the problem there on Sunday. If he listened to Val's and decided and they pitted earlier, who knows, maybe he has enough time and ha- can make up some of that space. But then you also know that it's hard to overtake in that car. And if he can pass Yuki Sonoda, what's saying that he's going to pass Charles Leclerc and, and Sergio Perez, let alone pass Max Verstappen? Because anytime they seem to get around each other, uh, there's a 50-50 shot. They're probably going to nail each other. So, um, you know, that's that's the, the, the sad part about that whole deal, I guess. I, I, he had the fastest car. He had overall pace. There was no doubt he was the fastest car and fastest driver all weekend. Um, just doesn't have the result. Uh, relative to what Max did at Mother Russia. Valtteri Botas, your winner. Max Verstappen, second. Sergio Perez, third. Starting sixth. Charles Leclerc finished fourth. Hamilton, fifth. Pierre Gasly, sixth after starting fourth. Lando Norris, seventh. Carlos Sainz started all the way in the back. One driver, basically all the way in the back. Driver of the day, um, winner. Finished eighth, Stroll ninth after winning pole there last year and having a chance to win. And uh, Ocon, who didn't pit and was holding out for dear life, ended up finishing 10th. Uh, Ricardo started tailback 13th, was his finish, was non-factor. Alonso had hit everything but the lottery. Uh, Vettel and Aston Martin strategy was an abomination. That's not shocking. Um, George Russell had a, a rare off weekend for him. The Williams team just seemed to be on the back foot all weekend. They didn't have the pace that they needed. Um, in general, Max uh, leads by six over Lewis Hamilton. Valtteri Botas is 32. Yeah, 32 points now ahead of Lando Norris after his victory. And um, Lando and Sergio are only separated by 10 points. So basically right now, Botas, without, um, unless he does, has a couple non-point scores, has put himself uh, in position to take third in the Drivers' Championship. And uh, it'll be a battle for fourth between Lando and Sergio. At one point, that was for third. Um, And Lando, of course, hasn't won a race this year, but the other two have. Uh, Carlos Sainz and Leclerc are only separated by a half a point. So interesting to see that with um, Ferrari. Ricardo 
Gasly and Fernando Alonso are your top 10. Um, and he has Alonso has a 12 point lead on his teammate, and he is 16 points behind Gasly. Um, so uh, points are starting to stretch out, six races to go. Power unit issues could be, come into play uh, to affect the final uh, results and points and the whole bit there. But we will see at Coda uh, this coming next week, uh, not this week, next week at the U.S. Grand Prix after a year away, um, how that'll be. Uh, track is much rougher than was a couple of years ago. I mentioned it briefly last week about how um, the MotoGP guys complained and uh, we're not very happy with the conditions there. So I'm curious as to what the Formula One guys will say um, when they show up there next week. All right. So from there, we will uh, get into, and, and you know what, I should get into the um, constructors. Get in, give us the constructors championship. Right now, Mercedes was able to consolidate their situation in the constructors standings, even with Lewis only finishing fifth. Either 36 points ahead, uh, 40, I think 44 points is the maximum you can you can have with a fastest lap and um, the fastest lap point win and all that. Win in second place is 44 points. Right now they're 36 points ahead, so nearly a race ahead of Red Bull. Um, McLaren is only seven and a half points behind ahead of Ferrari for third. And the constructors, Alpine is 12 points behind or ahead. Keep on saying 12 points ahead of Alpha Tori. And then it's not really as interesting after that um, because really nothing is going to happen with any of them. Alpha Romeo is not going to score 16 points between now and the end of the season to either tie or possibly overtake Williams. And the fact is they're also not going to be able to have the tiebreaker because George Russell finished second at Spa. So going into the Roval Cup Series race, uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway, uh, you had uh, the auto, you know, the Bank of America Roval 400. The race results saw Kyle Larson win uh, for the, what, seven time this year, six times, seven time, I don't even, yeah, seven wins this year for Kyle Larson. Started tent, had issues, electrical issues, uh, which affected his teammate Alex Bowman enough to where they still finished tenth, but they were not in a position. They needed more than that. Uh, ended up getting eliminated. Uh, William Byron was probably one of the fastest, not the fastest car at the racetrack, other than his other teammate, um, which we'll get into in a little bit. Uh, but you know the Hendrick cars have been fast on the road courses all year. But, you know, when you get to a point when you need the points, you need to win. It's a problem. And they didn't have they didn't have what they needed there. So um, unfortunately for the likes of Byron Bowman and, um, you know, was it called Christopher Bell and then Harvick. But then Harvick's thing is separate too. Uh, Larson getting another win, having a 35 point lead on Denny Hamlin, 42. One point lead on the current, what the cutoff would be going 
into the final four. So two-thirds of a way to a full race lead um, with, of course, stage points, with other things. It's possible that Kyle Larson could lock himself into the final four without even just literally stage pointing his way um, in and and getting decent finishes. Um, that's the the great thing about winning all them stages and, and all the race wins he had prior to the playoff, of course, Josh. But it didn't look like it was going to be that Hendrick Carr uh, for a lot of the day winning this race on Sunday. But Kyle Larson proved once again um, why he is the favorite to win uh, his first Cup Series championship and fill in the redemption arc story that NASCAR so desperately wants to have happen. Now, yeah, for Larson, there is a chance there in the middle of the race when he had the electrical issues that he was going to have to, um, or the, you know, he might not make it into this uh, next round here, but uh, ultimately he was able to do that by winning the race. But then of course you talk about William Byron who led 30 laps, led the most lap in this race, but ultimately does not make it into uh, this uh, next round here. Um, but it's going to be interesting uh, w- with uh, Larson being able to uh, show that he's once again, the favorite to win, like you said, but then uh, Byron uh, just didn't have what he needed there at the end, ended up finishing 11th, locked it up in the chicane. So just wasn't able to uh, put himself in position there at, uh, at the end. And then also uh, Hamlin led a lot of laps early, led uh, before Kyle Larson took the lead, he was in the lead. So Hamlin's still uh, showing a lot of pace here, uh, even though it's the last road course race on the season. Um, Bowman uh, also had the same electrical issues, uh, didn't lead any laps, finishing 10th, which is uh, what he needed, or not what he needed, because obviously he needed to win. Otherwise, it's a solid day, of course. Then also the driver that was really on the story for this race is Chase Elliott, who uh, was up there in the race, but then Kevin Harvick took his opportunity to uh, wreck him there and uh, put him in the wall, and then Elliott uh, drove around with his bumper cover falling off and didn't get penalized for that. Uh, maybe he gets penalized, uh, if it's the fifth race of the season, uh, kind of borrowing off what, uh, Dale Jr. Said on his show the other night, but, um, you know, maybe in another race he gets penalized, but of course this being the cutoff race, uh, maybe they decide not to uh, let that ruin his race or whatever, but, uh, was going to take revenge on, uh, Kevin Harvick there, but then ultimately, uh, Kevin Harvick just wrecked himself and it's it's uh, kind of funny that the uh the guy that replaced the intimidator got intimidated and didn't even take a bumper uh on Harvick's car to make him spun out he spun himself out and wrecked uh wrecked there so then of course admitted to uh crashing uh Chase Elliott in his post crash interview there but uh, I think for the future of this rivalry of course talking about Chase Elliott and uh, Harvick getting into it in the future. Um, I think on Harvick's end, I don't think he'll uh, do anything uh, to affect Chase, uh, say it like Martinsville or any other track leading into Phoenix, the final race of the year. But I mean, if uh, Chase Elliott is able to uh, do something, if he's like needs to the points to make it into the final round, similar to what Harvick did last year uh, against Kyle Busch on the last turn of the race at Martinsville, 
if it's a situation like that, then you could see Chase Elliott putting the bumper to Harvick and moving out of the way for that one point or the win, whatever it is. So I think that's the potential for um, a rivalry to to show up. But I think other than that, it's probably over. So uh, it, if I mean, unless Harvick still feels like he's mad and decides to block or whatever in any of these upcoming races, but it's um it's been I guess a little. Uh, interesting storyline that we've had last couple of weeks. Of course, they could come back up in the future. Uh, I, you know, they will probably find each other again. And I'm sure they'll probably get into it uh, more than once uh, next season. So if they continue to crash into each other, that should be uh, interesting to see. Of course, uh, other drivers, I think they, um, if you listen to Radioactive, they were talking about Harvick all day too. And I think uh, Ryan Blaney was one driver that said, like, uh, the four car deserved it or whatever, or something like that. So, um, yeah, even the other drivers taking notice of what Kevin Harvey's doing on the racetrack. So, uh, Elliot kind of the hero here, uh, of course got help from NASCAR to do that. Um, and then Harvick kind of the villain here as it kind of always has been, I mean, there's a few years where it wasn't really like the villain role, but you know, he's always played the, the, uh, kind of the pseudo black hat kind, uh, driver here in NASCAR. So, uh, that's kind of how it is, but uh, we'll have to see what happens in the future going forward. I mean, for us, the guys uh, you have uh, in the playoffs here that are still in it, Truex didn't have the best day. Uh, Kislowski ends up, uh, I mean, he had a chance to, you know, solidify himself in fourth position, but then uh, had a couple of instances where he locked up the brakes uh, going in the corner and and had to miss the corner and the chicane. So ended up finishing uh, in eighth position for this round for uh, the standings. And now he's on definitely on the outside looking in. Ghana's on the outside looking in. Chase is on the outside looking in. Uh, and then Kyle Busch on only one point uh, from Ryan Blaney. Uh, so uh, there could be one driver because, you know, we talked about uh, the chase playoffs, uh, final four, and we had Larson and Hamlin definitely making it in, uh, to the last race, but then the other two spots, I think we had one each, uh, with a Gibbs car. And then the fourth one, we kind of just assumed to be chase Elliott, but that may not be the case could be Ryan Blaney, or it could be, uh, one of the other Penske cars, Logano or Keselowski. So still a lot uh, to play here as we go for, uh, the last uh, three races. And, uh, before we cut off to four drivers and go on to Phoenix. Yeah, plenty to unpack there for sure. I mean, I agree. Uh, basically, you know, most of the stuff right there, especially with the Elliot Harvick stuff. I mean, Harvick, it's it's become desperate. You know, he it was you know twenty fifteen when he wrecked the field at Talladega to go and make it. You know, that's one thing. He's he's had this habit of doing things like this over time, running over people. Um, and it, it falls flat now, you know, at this point in his career, um, you want to go on TV, you basically want to be a TV guy. You're kind of holding on because you want to be able to fund Keelan's career. I mean, granted, he's fighting with a guy who has the personality of a cardboard box. Um, but you know, the inbred LCD dipshits root for him, whether it's Dale Earnhardt zealots or junior zealots or freaking bill elliott zealots you know like they're all they love this freaking guy and um he has like maybe a 10 percent share that is his actual fan base it's kind of like junior it's like 20 percent, 25 percent are like organic fans i get i would i would venture to say you're a organic dale junior fan yeah, based definitely on youth am. um 
but you know the to be fair being for you being an organic dale jr fan there probably were three that would also be wearing all the bud washer gear that are dale senior fans or might have been a fan of some other guy that was a legendary figure back in the day but mostly dale senior um maybe crusty or maybe elliot or whoever um but in clyde's case more he doesn't really have much of an actual fan base um i would love to have uh, have a real poll uh, a true poll not the bullshit they do with nascar with their stupid um fan council crap um, I was like, were you actually a Chase Elliott fan, period, from like the jump? Were you a Chase Elliott fan just because of Chase? Because of William Clyde Elliott II. Not because of the fact his dad was a legend and you were a fan of Bill Elliott. Or you're a fan of Dale Jr. and he took over basically for Dale Jr. Or Jeff Gordon. I forgot about Jeff Gordon. For, oh, God. Bearish thought. He drove the 24 car. Took over the 24 car for fucking Jeff Gordon. So there you go. Add that. I mean, how many people are actually really Chase Elliott fans? I'd like to know. You might, it can't be 10%. You're getting Jeff Gordon's fans. You're getting Dale Jr.'s fans. You're getting Dale Sr. fans. You get Bill Elliott fans. At what point does the guy actually have fans other than his girlfriend and his mom and his dad and maybe like 10 other people? I mean, to, I mean, let's be fair. I'm, I'm, I'm going down a rabbit hole. I get it. But the fact that he's not, he's not a tough guy. Most of these people in this sport are not tough guys fundamentally most of them are fucking pussies that's why one of the many reasons why this sport's going down the toilet um why do i talk about it because it's racing and as i say anything that goes fast we talk about on the gsp good or bad um they they need drama because this next two races are going to be god awful uh that rivalry's done um harvick didn't do a good enough job wrecking him you'd think after the amount of people he's run into over nearly 20 years of driving in the cup series that he'd learn how to wreck somebody properly that's number one number two they didn't black flag him because he's clyde if 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 it was joe blow in a rick ware car that's a black flag immediately pull your scorecard immediately if it's freaking uh cory lajoy or or inbred D burrito or some it's penalty for sure but because it's clyde and you brought up the playoff and he was on the he was on the cusp oh no we'll just let him go and dump the debris on the track to bring out the caution that was going to happen once it fell off um which in turn assisted him in his ability to get back up through the field and uh do what he had to do but it the the fact remains too they that should have been they should have been penalized he should have been made to come through pit road if he has such a great race car he should have been able to have all the panels attached to it and uh race but grand scheme of things kevin harvick for as tough as he thinks he is he ain't that tough and when you go and wreck yourself literally um trying to not get hit by chase elliott who literally is a pansy um i think that's the end of the line really I mean, I know Kevin Harvick's got full sponsorship, I think three more years and all that, but I think it's the beginning of the end for him. And for Stuart Haas Racing, there's a lot that they have to really flesh out in regards to themselves as an organization, what they want from as a as a team because they've not been good this year uh on under any circumstance eric almirola can say he won a race god bless him but he was a non-factor for most of the year good luck bad luck whatever non-factor briscoe had a rough rookie year he'll win rookie of the year 
but outside of the road courses, a couple of short tracks here and there, a couple other races, newer races, been irrelevant. Cole Custer's taken a huge step backward in his second year uh, in the Cup Series. And then, of course, Harvick, after winning nine races last year, uh, they tank it in the round of eight. And ever since then, uh, ever since the round of eight started last year, they've not been the same team. And this whole year, they haven't really flirted with victory, maybe once, twice this year. And then you see what the hell happened. I mean, yeah, he should have won Bristol. Clyde cost him Bristol, sure. That was one piece of it. But Larson's winning everywhere. I mean, to be fair, he may have not needed Clyde to go and do what he did to beat Kevin Harvick, but... I guess we won't know. I guess we'll find out at the at the clash at the LA Coliseum when they run over each other and then they go in to get into a slap flight a slap fight after they destroyed two cars that cost like four hundred thousand dollars. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Uh, I mean the uh we'll get into the results here. Uh, Kyle Larson, seventh win of the year, as I mentioned earlier. Tyler Reddick had one of the fastest cars, started 29th, came to third or second, probably could have won. It uh, would have been cool to see him get his first win. Chris Buescher, third uh, in the 17. Of course, getting ready to have Brad Keselowski as a teammate. And the Gibbs guys, Kyle Busch and Denny Hamlin, fourth and fifth. Uh, they led uh, 47 laps between the two of them. So they had good race cars. D Burrito, sixth. Logano, seventh. Blaney, or Chris Bell, eighth in trying to make it in, but didn't uh, in the next round. Brian Blaney, ninth. Alex Bowman, tenth, of course, also failed, um, as Josh mentioned. William Byron, who I think had the car to win um, outside of Clyde. And, um, you know, maybe, well, I mean, the Hendrick cars and the Gibbs cars, as per usual, were up there. You look at, uh, what is it, that's three and uh, three of the Gibbs cars. Only one that really wasn't there was Truex, but he had problems all day. He didn't have a good car, and by the end, Joey Hand used him up. So I guess it tells you how bad his car was. Uh, not because of Joey Hand, but who Joey Hand was driving for. Um, the Hendrick cars were all up there. That's been the case all year on the road courses in recent times. Uh, Bubba Wallace coming off his first career Cup Series victory, finished 14th. Uh, Daniel Suarez finished 13th. Uh, again, of course, Keselowski, Josh mentioned him. He's been awful on road courses all year. Uh, 20th place finish is kind of par, a little better than what he's been doing all year. Kevin Harvick, of course, finished to 33rd. The accident, Truex um, dumping, getting dumped by Joey Hand and just being relatively slow, finished 29th. Um, other standout people, no neck in his last races of his career, probably destroyed his race car early and had a park. AJ Allmendinger blew up um, on Sunday after his uh, good Saturday. So that's about it in regards to the results, the points going into the next round, starting around of eight. As I mentioned, Larson has a 35 point lead over Denny Hamlin. The gap between Hamlin all the way to Clyde, who's in sixth, is only eight points. So that could flip in a stage. Um, it's going to be pretty tight there. Logano and Keselowski are a little harder road. Uh, they probably need to win if they want to guarantee themselves a chance to make the final four. Um I mean, as mentioned earlier on my end, Larson could kind of point his way into the final four 
uh, with uh, good results during the first parts of the race. And uh, Harvick, Bell, uh, Byron, and Bowman were eliminated. Uh, Kurt Busch, Tyler Reddick, Al Rola, and McDowell were eliminated previously in the first round. Going into the Xfinity uh, series, it was a drive for the Cure 250 on Saturday, which saw A.J. Allmendinger uh, win uh, yet again this year over Austin Sindrick, Daniel Hemrick, Justin Haley, Brandon Jones, Gagson, Preston Pardis gets a top 10, Myatt Snyder in his last days in an RCR car fully, uh, 8th, Allgaier 9th, and Sam Mayer 10th, shout out to Josh Williams in 11th, Jeremy Clements in 12th, Alex LeBlay LeBay in 14th, and Jade Buford there in 16th. Um, I mean, the two dominant figures so far this year uh, led 33 or 43 laps. Between them, you add Daniel Emmerich 17, and that's 60 out of the 68 laps. Uh, Ty Gibbs was up there for a little bit, but wasn't able to get a finish. In regards to the uh, point standings going into Texas, uh, we saw saw Jeb Burton, Myatt Snyder, Riley Herbst, and or Jeremy you know, Jeb Burton, Myatt Snyder, Jeremy Clements, Riley Herbst get eliminated. Leaves Brandon Brown in there. Um, in regards to his position relative to the cut line, uh, he's only fourteen points behind. Um, but yeah. The Xfinity Series is more chalk, in a sense, with the A.J. Allmendinger win and Austin Sindrick finishing second, but I don't think it was anywhere near that straightforward. There's a lot of carnage. Uh, Balicki went and launched himself over the infield, uh, whatever, I guess, turtles or whatever, those big sausage curbs that didn't need to be down there and ripped off the whole bottom of his car, which is nice. Um, there's other things that went on, uh, oh yeah, this guy called start and parking, yeah, some of these other, uh, oh, Brett Moffat got in an accident, that's, that's not unfortunate, um, I'm trying to look at it as people that usually spin out or have some sort of issue, um, but yeah, AJ Allmendinger versus Austin Sindrick, and maybe Daniel Hammer could do something with the right, uh, focus and right determination, but, A.J. Allmendinger, another Xfinity win, Josh. Yeah, A.J. Allmendinger continuing to set records in the Xfinity Series. You know, if he ends up staying in the Xfinity Series, it's going to be a solid career for him finally after years of struggling in NASCAR and just now finally having a a team that's good behind him and he uh, can go out and be successful and win races. And don't know if he's going to be in the Cup next year with Colleague, but definitely uh, at least uh, he can carve out a little niche for him here in uh, the Xfinity Series. But, you know, right now uh, he's uh, continuing to win races uh, despite starting 14th. He's able to make his way up through the field and uh, Austin Cedric led a bunch of laps too, but ultimately just came down to uh, AJ Allmendinger being really good at, at this road course and, and Cindric wasn't even in second. When you go back to it uh, on the last lap, there was Sam Mayer who was, uh, in second at beginning the final lap and he was getting passed by Ty Gibbs, but then they got into it 
uh, on the back straight of the, the road course. And Ty Gibbs made a pretty good uh, save there to at least keep it going and was able to, uh, not to spin out completely, uh, although uh, he still finished outside the top 10, uh, spinning last lap, uh, last corner there in that chicane. But uh, it was definitely a lot of carnage there in that race. I mean, there was guys that were getting taped up and still going. There's uh, Noah Gregson had a lot of tape on his car and uh, still managed to finish in sixth. He recovered from the uh, overdrive of the chicane, had to stop in the middle of that because he missed the corner there, uh, but was able to recover that finish in sixth place. Of course, uh, Algar as well uh, got loose in in uh, the middle of the heartburn turn uh, or after that and ended up slapping the wall. Uh, didn't have a really good start to that race, but still managed to uh, come back and finish in ninth place in that race. Uh, the point standings, you have Almendinger, uh, over Cindric by six points. And then uh, it's a long way back to Justin Algar, 29 points. And then uh, Noah Gregson uh, right there in that final spot to transfer in one point behind Daniel Hamrick. So Daniel Hamrick probably needed that win to at least make up ground uh, to uh, get into that top four, but at least uh, he's right there. So uh, next couple of races here uh, could be uh, vital for him. Uh, and then, you know, you have, uh, Harrison Burton and Brandon Jones both uh, didn't really have greatest races. Harrison Burton got into it a little bit with his teammate there on the front stretch uh, in Ty Gibbs and uh, uh, Brandon Jones uh, not doing as great as there. And of course, Justin Haley still kind of sleeping in there uh, as the uh, sixth place kind of, kind of lurking there could have an opportunity uh, here to um, get in and sneak into the final spot uh, for the, uh, uh, final round for the Xfinity series. But I mean, overall, I think it's really looking like these next couple of races, probably just going to focus on Austin Cindric and AJ Allmendinger. Um, I think the midfield part of that could be interesting to see, you know, with what Noah Gregson does and maybe what down uh strategy is. But I, I think for the most part, it's still going to continue to be Austin and uh, AJ fighting for this championship as we've said this entire year. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, we've, it's basically been Larson and Hamlin and Cup. It's been Sindrick and Almendinger and Xfinity. Um, there will be four people no matter what. In the case of the Xfinity side, it's JRM, I think, versus uh, Joe Gibbs. Um, in regards, they have three cars. JRM has uh, two cars in the playoff right now. <laughs> Three, if you count the point, the owners' championship, but um, they have two in the drivers, and Gibbs has three. They're trying to at least get one each. Um, Junior Motorsports, though, I think it'll be all Geyer that gets through, and they always talk about how great he is at Phoenix, but has never came through for anything major, uh, including a championship since they moved it over there. So we'll see what happens. Texas is a shit show. Um, we'll preview that momentarily. The uh, roundup, we'll, we'll start with, um, I'll go through the results part and kind of preview, and then we'll get an IndyCar silly season. The Michelin GT Challenge at Virginia International Raceway was a G, uh, the GTLM GTD. Nick Tandy, Tommy Milner, and the Corvette number four beat Corvette number three of Antonio Garcia, Jordan Taylor. Um, they led the whole, basically the entire race. Uh, Cooper McNeil and Kevin Estry finished third in WeatherTech Porsche. The uh, FAF Motorsports uh, Porsche of Zachary Robichon and Lawrence Van Thor finished fourth overall and first in GT Daytona. 
Brian Sellers, Madison Snow finished second, uh, fifth overall in the Paul Miller Racing Lamborghini. And Jack Hawksworth, Aaron Tielitz finished sixth um, overall and third in GTD in the uh, Vassar Solvid Lexus. So there was, in regards to the GTD field, um, all but three cars were on the lead lap. That made the finish. Bechtel, Scheimer, and Mario Farnbacher in a gradient racing Acura had a crash. John Potter, Andy Lally, Magnus, Archangel, Acura had a wheel issue. So there is that. The next race will be uh, Petit Le Mans, which will be in a month's time, exactly uh, from the time we're doing this recording. Uh, the... Next thing will be the DTM finale, Norris Ring, uh, controversial uh, results that took place there in race one. Maximilian Gotts defeats Arjun Miney and Liam Lawson. Uh, that was a podium. Calvin Vanderlinda finished fourth. Nick Cassidy uh, filling in for Alex Albon finished fifth. Lucas Auer, Daniel Junkendel, and Nico Muller, Maxi Buk, and Philip Ellis, the top 10. And then in race two, Maximilian Goetz beats Lucas Auer, Maxi Buk, Mike Rockenfeller, uh, making uh, in, yeah, I think rare appearance these days. Junkendelo, Miney, gets a sixth-place finish. Marco Wittmann, seventh. Vincent Abril, eighth. Sophia Florsch gets points, uh, rare points for her, and Philip Ellis finished 10th. In regards to the final standings, Maximilian Goetz wins the DTM championship after his double victory at the Norris Ring, uh, beats Liam Lawson by three points. Calvin Vanderlinda was involved in an incident with Liam Lawson that likely cost him the championship. Uh, he finished third, though. Marco Wittmann finished fourth, Lucas Auer fifth, Alex Albon sixth, and Philip Ellison seventh. Mark and Feller, Junkendela, Nico Muller was your top ten. Sheldon Vanderlinda and Arjun Miney there finished twelfth. Uh, so not too bad at the end of the year. Put together a couple of rounds where he was really good. Flourish had a couple of points scoring races. Um, other than that, like Dev Gore didn't even score points all year. And, Another woman only scored two points. Um, Helmet Marco, of course, came out said that they should have banned Vanderlinda. Vanderlinda apologized, lost him, but it doesn't really matter. It's not a concession when you basically are part of the reason why he lost the championship. We'll see what comes of that in regards to the DTM and their general viability going into next year. Um, World Superbikes will be racing in Argentina uh, this coming weekend. There's Rally Spain. Of course, there's uh, talk about who's going to go where in regards to the um, the World Rally and the seats. You have SRO at uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway Road Course for the Indy 8 Hour. So that'll be interesting, too. Um, going to World Superbikes, though, um, to... See the standings as they go to Argentina. Raskatgulu is uh, 24 points ahead of Johnny Ray. 
Um, he's 54 points out of Scott Redding. Um, so that's base over a round or you know, over a couple of rounds, I guess. Um, Michael Rubin, Rinaldi, Andrea Locatelli, your top five. Garrett Gerloff, eighth. Um, if you need anything after that around that that I didn't mention, well, you can go and look it up. We'll see if Gerloff, since they're going to a new circuit, can go and make up some much-needed ground here um, before they end this season. Try to possibly get himself into fourth uh, because it's not totally out of reach. You know, 49 is 56, so um, it's not out of reach with uh, six races to go in the season, but we will see what happens with that. Uh, switch over the IndyCar, let Josh come in. Uh, they announced uh, Jack Harvey uh, as the full-time driver for the 45 High V IndyCar. Um, it's something that's been rumored for a long time. Uh, there's been the slow burn in regards to Takuma Sato um, and his and his uh, whereabouts and what he would be doing in uh, 2022. Um, it's I'm interested to see what comes of that. Uh, you, know, you know, you have Roban Grosjean, of course, moving to the DHL 28. Uh, Kirkwood was testing today, and Colton hurt his car. You have Jimmy Johnson, which likely is going to be going and running. If not a full season, he's definitely going to run in Indy and I would assume run Texas. Um, there's also uh, there's the news that Ernie Francis is going to test and possibly get into Indy Lights next year for the Force Indy program through Penske. So that's uh, something to look forward to possibly. Um, you know, what are, what are your thoughts, Josh, in regards to some of the news items that have been announced so far? And what do you think? will be next uh i i kind of have an idea what i think will be next but what do you think will be next in regards to uh silly season now that we have uh, the, the uh pansy situation stared away well i think what could be next is what colton herda does uh with his feature in indycar he talk about uh if he might go to formula one there's opportunity there especially if uh andretti purchases uh one of the teams there the um former Sauber team, uh, which I guess now is uh, uh, Aston or, or Alfa Romeo there. So that's going to be an interesting uh, thing there. We have an American uh, who actually understands open wheel racing, uh, owning a Formula One team. And then also the possibility of Colton Herta, who is probably very, the, very talented, probably the driver with the most upside in the IndyCar series that could make it in uh, Formula One as it is right now. Um, but at the same time, uh, the series is going to lose a star, certainly an Amer uh, American star that the series needs. Uh, somebody you know with uh, connections to the Andretti's. Uh, Brian Herta was definitely a, a well-known driver in his day when he was a driver, and uh, all that stuff. So from that perspective, you know you lose a guy that could be really good here in the states, and you don't know what it's going to look like in uh, Formula One because could end up being um, like Michael Andretti's career in Formula One was nothing. You know, he came back after only one year and, and where he, you know, did nothing at, at McLaren. So uh, after uh, we'll see what happens if he ends up making that move. But um, I mean, there's a, if you go on racer, I mean, Marshall Pruitt, I mean, say whatever you want about him, but post an open letter to Colton Herta on the front page and it's on, on there and read through it. I mean, uh, shows the significance for uh, Colton Herta being in the series and definitely, uh, 
I think if he commits to it for 2022, definitely has a chance to go out and win an IndyCar championship, be a champion here in America. Not sure if he'd ever really have a chance to be a, a champion in, in uh, Europe uh, over in the Formula One series, uh, unless uh, Lewis Hamilton, whenever uh, he de- decides to hang it up and still he's, you know, got to go against guys like Max Verstappen and Lando Norris next uh, up, up and coming star, you know, all those guys. So, um, and you know, Yuki Snowda as well, but George you know, Russell. Yeah. George Russell. Yeah. Replacing Valtteri Botas, but yeah, that's, so he's going up a lot against a lot of people he's never driven against, uh, and it's a good challenge, but just don't know if it's the right move there and everything. So we'll see what happens. And I kind of favor him staying in America here and just racing an IndyCar, at least for a couple of seasons, not only against him going to formula one, but I just feel like, uh, he still has a lot to prove here in America. Still has a lot to, to do here. So, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about it, but you know, we'll see what happens. And then you mentioned the other moves, um, Jimmy testing re- recently along with, uh, Romain Grosjean at, uh, Indianapolis doing the first part of their rookie orientation program and all that stuff. So it should be interesting. I think they said Jimmy was able to hit 250 miles an hour. Uh, so it was uh, Romain Grosjean, but we'll see what happens as Jimmy gets more acclimated into the IndyCar and really test the limit of the IndyCar on the oval, uh, especially at Indianapolis. We're going to, uh, need to be able to at least hit, you know, 235 uh, in qualifying trim uh, going into turn three, uh, turn one. So uh, we'll see what happens there. He's able to figure out uh, how to get comfortable uh, with that car. And same thing for uh, Romain Groschan. I think we saw a little bit of a preview of that with uh, how he did at Gateway and could carry over to Indianapolis too. So uh, looking forward to both of them making their uh, Indy 500 debut and definitely be exciting to see. And and everything. And then, uh, uh, Jack Harvey, of course, replacing, uh, Takuma Sato, uh, next year at Ray Hall, Leonard Lanigan and gives a, a younger teammate for Graham Ray Hall to bounce ideas off, to compare himself to. And we've seen flashes and, uh, stuff from, uh, Jack Harvey, but never been able to quite put it together, uh, over the course of a full season. And, you know, they've, had years where they were a part-time team as well. So it's going to be a chance for him to uh, be in a better team, I think, than what he was at um, Meyer Shank and to have a good teammate in uh, Graham Ray Hall as well. So a lot of moves being made in IndyCar uh, silly season. And, you know, there's going to be a lot more stuff as uh, we, we continue on uh, throughout the rest of the off season. You still got like five months uh, to go until March when they uh, go out into the streets of St. Pete and be definitely a lot of time there still to figure out who's going to be in what ride. Yeah, I mean, Dale Coyne doesn't have a driver officially for either of his cars as of yet. Uh, Ray Hall, from what, you know, Pruitt and other people are saying, has one open seat. Foyt has three open seats because Bourdais is not going to run full time. Uh, you know, the, so those that's six cars right there. Um, Andretti, I think, basically has their situation but as you mentioned with colton now you know i think he is a considered an early 2022 favorite but now with the specter of him possibly going to formula one in 2023 will that distract him from possibly going out there winning the championship winning indy you know all those things uh and what will he have to do in regards to preparing i think he'll have enough super license points to be able to move over um 
so that'll be fine. Uh, so, but you know, we'll see what happens with that. Should he stay in America? Should he not? I think there's. I mean, the point is, New Garden's there, and he drives for Penske. But he's an old now. He's become an older driver. He was the young gun um, nearly a decade ago. Now he's been around for. <laughs> this will be his. Uh, 10th year in the IndyCar series, I believe, at, le- at least his ninth year. And and he's a two-time champion. He's done everything in the series except to win the Indy 500, which would be lifetime employment at Penske. Um, I mean, <laughs> Pagano's proof you can win Indy, you can win him a championship, and it still doesn't mean you'll have a job. I think he wanted to stay as a full-time driver in IndyCar, and that's why he went to Meyer Schenck uh, with Alio. But... You know, and Jim Meyer, he's a multimillionaire, so he can afford it. And um, when it comes to in hiring a veteran crew, but I think having youth and uh, having uh, the drive like Colton Herta has, like Alex Pillow has, and, uh, you know, a Paddle Award, I think those are the three guys that you look at right now as the face of the next generation of IndyCar. Uh, granted, I think Kyle Kirkwood could kind of seamlessly transition in uh, and take over for Colton Herta. I think it would also probably bring a little more balance to Andretti Autosport and may allow Alexander Rossi to come out of whatever uh, slump that he's been in um, and come back to a somewhat of a leadership role and top flight role, which is what he had prior to Colton's arrival um, in the Andretti system. Outside of that, of course, Grosjean is going to be HPD's investing in him. Um, there's different things, different rumors, jokes about, oh, Andretti's buying the team and he's going to put Grosjean in one of the cars. Botas is a two-year deal, so I don't think that that's possible. Um, but I think Grosjean loves America and now the fully funded ride at a top team, he's going to be able to win and that'll be uh, good for, for him and for, uh, the fans of French drivers and the whole, the whole bit and, We'll see what happens with that. And Jimmy, I'm hoping that he announces at least Indy, uh, probably will be Texas. I don't think he'll do any more than that. He'll probably do a Mark Martin schedule, which is run like 85% of the schedule and miss a couple of races. That's what I think is going to happen uh, next year uh, for Jimmy Johnson. But to be determined, need to bring out the algorithm, I guess. See how many races that Jimmy will run. Um, knowing that he'll run all the road and street circuits, but that's that. There's some weird people that are being mentioned for the the uh, Foyt rides, and I mean Meyer Shank, of course, locked up their situation. I figure the Ray Hall Letterman landing in second seat is between Root Beer Floathead and uh, Oliver Askew, and I would say that Oliver Askew would be the safer play. For multiple reasons, including the talent, like people talk about how good Kyle Kirkwood is. Well, so was Oliver Askew a few years ago, um, getting thrown around, dropped out by uh, Ed Carpenter, then going and not Ed Carpenter, I'm mixing up with Spencer Piggott, um, getting dumped by Arrow Spam, even though he's had the talent, I think, in ability. Give him a second shot, he'll be even better. And he showed it in the Ray Hall car, so guess we'll see what comes with all that. We'll keep you updated here on the GSP in regards to that. Um, Josh, I'm going to let you start the football talk, not um, only your Jags and uh, what 
went on last week, what you expect for this week, and give us your fantasy of your teams. Of course, your Bold City Brigade beat my um, K. Adams Froyo team. It wasn't as epic as your trash, your air quote trash talk would have made it seem, um, but it was still a loss. You, you still made me humble, as uh, uh, Iron Sheik would, would say. Uh, did not break my back or F me in the back door or do make me like old, do me old country way or, or you know, <laughs> do me like Hulk Hogan or any of that. Um, not worse than the Michael Jackson, but uh, you did win your second place in the league. Kind of have to update, I have to update the, the spreadsheet to see the two way uh, winners right now. Um, and where that record's at, but um, you're doing pretty good there. Let's know where you're at football-wise in general. I mean, starting off with fantasy, yeah, like uh, I had Lamar Jackson, of course, um, had a monster game on Monday night, and I really didn't even need him to have a monster game. He just needed him to do enough, but then he just went out and uh, played like that of course, and I'll, I'll bring up why I didn't in a minute, why I didn't uh, even have a huge game, but of course, um, Devontae Adams, uh, had a pretty good game as well. Crazy game in, uh, uh, Cincinnati, they missed a ton of field goals and thought it was going to end up in a tie, to be honest, uh, with, uh, the, uh, Green Bay Packers and, uh, Cincinnati Bengals, but ended up having a good game from Devontae Adams. Didn't have as great as a game as I thought would have happened with uh, Debo Samuel swapped him uh, or had Mike Williams in the position going into the game, but then uh, Mike Williams put him on the bench because he didn't uh, perform as well. Uh, and the previous week, then Mike Williams scored like 38 points. Um, and then on uh, running backs, Saquon Barkley uh, only had one point, uh, three points scored. And then that was because he got hurt and, should have had, I guess, can't predict an injury, but I guess could have had Josh Jacobs scoring 20.7 points. Um, Mike Williams or, or um, Mike Evans, or actually, no, yeah, uh, Damian Williams uh, was my other running back who was able to pick up after uh, David Montgomery got an injury, scored 20.1 points. Mike Evans had a monster game uh, in the win against Miami with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Kirk Cousins, solid game against Detroit. Uh, Derwin James had a really big game against Cleveland, just had a, a ton of tackles, uh, had a ton of sacks as well. Uh, just a monster game uh, that nobody would have expected him to have. Uh, nine solo tackles, uh, eight assisted tackles, one tackle for loss, one sack uh, in that game against Cleveland, you know, which is a back and forth game the whole way for, uh, for the Chargers. Uh, it really helped me there. Wasn't expecting that. Um, uh, Dan, Daniel Hunter had uh, 12.5 points. Isaiah Simmons had nine points uh, there. So overall, pretty good win uh, for me. 255 points. Pretty big output there. Highest scoring game of the season, I think, for both of us. So definitely, uh, uh, it's definitely a challenge uh, to go out there and win. I think for me, I was really concerned. Austin Eckler um started out not doing well but then towards the end just racked up a lot of points there he scored a couple touchdowns uh and that's when i started getting concerned because he, he i was ahead of you uh for a bit there and i was like okay well i guess my rant will actually come true but then or the, the trash talk would actually come true but then austin eckler basically brought you back into it and then i was starting to get worried because um you were ahead of me by a little bit there uh going into monday night football and then 
um, before Lamar Jackson started popping off, I was really having to watch, make sure he didn't throw to um, uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown there. Cause if he did, then that would hurt me. And of course uh, Marquise Brown did score a lot of points, but by then, Lamar Jackson has scored 63 points. So it didn't really matter on that front. So still able to get out the victory uh, uh, relatively close when you consider all of that happened on Sunday and Monday, Thursday as well. So in the NFL, so uh, glad to get the win and move to four and one now, of course, and one game behind Wilson. Uh, he's got a pretty tough squad and definitely going to have to uh, make some adjustments there, hopefully to uh, be able to beat him. We'll see. Um, but right now he's definitely the guy to watch and then got me. And then, I mean, you still, still had a pretty good solid season so far, even though you three and two now. So, uh, definitely, uh, still a lot of, a lot of games left here, left in the season and going forward and everything. And then my other league, uh, that I'm in, um, I was facing a guy who had Lamar Jackson. So that's why I didn't want Lamar Jackson to do as well. I just needed him to do enough for me, but don't score too much. Cause then I'll lose in my other league and ended up. And he also had Mark Andrews also, and actually everybody on Baltimore had Baltimore defense, uh, Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, and then Justin Tucker. So for, for that, that was uh, basically favoring Baltimore, like it's yeah. Baltimore Homer. Yeah, but, that's yeah. yeah. And then, so he likes to a murderer too. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, on, on that end, uh, lost by like, uh, like 10 points, something like that, 13 points. So probably needed a better out, output there in that other league two and two there uh since even though it's week five two and two because uh everybody gets a drop because it's an uneven uh league there are 13 teams but had to make some moves on my roster in that one this morning uh on the waiver wire having to really work uh the waiver wire uh for for that league and uh, make make some pickups there um picked up i had to pick up uh uh, Nick Folk, New England, number one scoring kicker so far this season. Picked up Zach Ertz, uh, picked up uh, uh, Saquon Barkley's backup, Devontae Booker in that league uh, since he was on there and need, need some help on the running back front. And that's another thing I'm concerned about is the running backs for my team overall because right now we have um, – uh, right now I have Saquon Barkley in our league. Uh, he's hurt right now. I have David Montgomery also hurt for a few weeks, so – it's a little light here on the running back front. And so I might have to uh, make some moves. I don't know, maybe work a trade. I got a stack of wide receivers, something like that. We'll have to see. going to wait it out this week. Uh, and, and then if it, it gets bad, I guess, should uh, probably have to make a move in the waiver wires or have to figure out a trade of some kind. So that's going to be um, one thing to look out for here. And then, of course, uh, I think this week – I. Don't know who I'm playing in our league, uh, but doesn't look like he's going to be a really challenging opponent. I think it's um, the salad or whoever he is, but he's only got like uh, 150 yeah, points. Nikki. Yeah, yeah. So Nikki, I guess, yeah, he's got 150 points or something like that predicted uh, to score, and then I have like 200 or something. So initially, it looks like it could be an easy win for me, but you know, never know how these things are going to work out. Yeah, I'm going to go, and since you didn't have the trash talk like you had for me last week, I'm just going to go and do this. I'm just going to open a beer um, because I figured you'd just follow through since you've already built your name on – you're built your name now not only on your sim segment but being a, a prognosticator, um, picking winners like Tate Fogelman and then predicting that you were going to go and beat me like uh, Iron Cheek and basically – you know, because of Lamar Jackson, you did. 
I figured you were going to continue through. Um, on, I guess you're saving it up for Phoenix. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll let you go into hibernation um, until Phoenix. You could bring out all the bluster at that point, but we'd like to see it before then. Um, on my end, uh, the Niners put uh, my future favorite player out there uh, to be the quarterback. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's ex- amazing game plan uh, involved him basically being RG3 part two. And just like RG3 part one, uh, the quarterback got hurt by the end of the game and uh, they still lost. Uh, The defense played well enough, held a team that scored 35 points a game to 17 and uh, the Niners still couldn't do jack shit. Um, Their offense was anemic. They kept on going for it on fourth down. They even had Kyle Juszczyk run under center. They got stuffed um, for a team that's built on the run. That didn't seem to have a running game outside of uh, Trey Lance running it. Their passing game, you know, without George Kittle and their insistence on not playing Brandon Ayuk uh, has really, uh, or not giving Brandon Ayuk the ball uh, to a level similar to Debo Samuel. It's really hurt this team in a lot of ways. Two and three going into the bye. They'll come off the bye, play Sunday night football against the Indianapolis Colts and Carson Wentz, who just came off of throwing 400-something yards, uh, but uh, they weren't able to win against Baltimore. That will be interesting. I figured that was a flex, but I guess they're going to save it. Maybe they can go and revert it somewhere else, but I think that should have been flexed out. That would have been a, a probably a 1 o'clock game or wherever. I don't even know where the hell the game is. Um, but coming off the bye, Jimmy Garoppolo is probably going to be back. I'm curious to see who else will be available at that point um, because of the injuries and all that. And they have to come back and win that game, get to 3-3, three and three, or else um, have a hard time believing that the Niners are going to be able to do anything this year of great significance. Uh, there, there aren't, there are certain teams in the NFC right now. I think the Cowgirls, the Rams, uh, Arizona, Green Bay, and Tampa Bay. I think those five teams are right now the best teams. Those are the best teams in the conference. So that's five teams. That leaves two spots. Russell Wilson, of course, is out for a while. That will affect Seattle's chances. Um, you know, the NFC South outside of Tampa Bay, Carolina got, you know, uh, Sam Darnold saw ghosts last week and played horrible, but he's had great moments too. You have the New Orleans Saints with Jameis Winston and eating his fingers and all that. Fact is, when he's on, he's a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Uh, they have the North and outside of Green Bay have a hard time believing any of those teams are going to make it. Um, Detroit definitely isn't going to with Dan Campbell crying a little bitch. Uh, Minnesota's not great, and Chicago is kind of in that same realm, not great. The uh, was talking about South and North, the East. Cowboys are head and shoulders above anybody, but Eagles have a chance. Uh, but it'll be it'll be asking a lot for the, for them to get over the hump. Washington football team doesn't have a defense anymore, and their offense is kind of backslid uh, this year, so they're kind of in trouble. And then the Giants have half their team on a mash unit, so even if they were to put everybody back, uh, it'll be hard for them to contend. So. As a Niner fan, if they got their crap together, they have a chance to go and move forward and make things happen. But 
need to win Indy. Uh, if you don't win that Indy game and you're two and four, uh, doesn't look great. I mean, a two and three doesn't look great either, but we'll see what happens uh, in regards to the Niners team in regards to fall brawl. Yeah, I lost to Josh. He called his shot. Uh, full respect to Josh for, you know, all the, um, you know, the trash talking and the uh, basically incendiary uh, things uh, he said, but it was all in good fun. And um, I know that it wasn't personal. And uh, so they, it is what it is regards to that. I'm in third in the league right now, I believe. Uh, going and checking through here, fall brawl on a week five. Yeah, lost by 20 or 19 is, uh, yeah, 19.2 points to uh, Josh because of uh, Lamar's 63.8 points. That's ridiculous. So, yeah, yeah, 22.1 points on uh, passing. Then he had 3.7 on completions, three points for the bonus, 375. Uh, four touchdowns, yeah, 14 rushing attempts for 62 yards and two two-point conversions. So a full stat line. I mean, I had Aaron. And he had third, nearly 30, didn't matter. Uh, Derrick Henry had over 30, he had 36.8, didn't matter. 37.5 from Eckler, 35.5 for three quarters from uh, Marquise Brown. Uh, I, I basically tried to throw the block against Lamar Jackson because he's been the um, go-to person. Um, let's see what happens with uh, this uh, week and who I play. I'll end up playing BX Brotherhood, which is Demetrius, my bowling teammate on Tuesdays and um, good friend and Boston and uh I mean, he's a Pittsburgh Steelers person, so we'll see how he's feeling now that they've kind of gotten a little light, a little bit of hope. Uh, he's got problems at the quarterback position because his number one quarterback is out, and he has, yeah, he has uh, playoff Lenny in there, so he'll at least have him going, and he'll have A.J. Brown going uh, as well or Antonio Brown going on uh, Thursday night against the Philadelphia Eagles. So that'll give him a little bit of a cushion initially going into uh, the room on our end there. So we'll see what happens with, uh, and then my other league, I've lost a couple games in a row pretty bad. Um, you know, the schedule, yeah, I've, I had a loss. I got blown out by 24 then the the week before this past week, so two weeks ago, it was a nearly thirty point loss, and last week lost by forty three. So see if we can go and recover there. Made some moves. Uh, signed signed uh, Kader. Uh, I didn't sign Kadarius Tony. I signed uh, Chase McLaughlin, the kicker for Cleveland. I signed Devonte Booker. Uh, from the Giants, uh, those are the moves I made. Yeah, Kadarius Tony. Uh -huh. Yes, yeah, so I got on that. Uh -huh. on there. Yeah, so that is what it is with uh, the fantasy and the sleeper league. You finally won 
for the first time uh, this year after what had gone on, which was a lot of BS and not being able to um, finish a job, get lots of points and, and, and truly compete. So now we're getting the supplies necessary. Do so. All right, Josh, um, I'll let it go to you for a few minutes. You can let us know what you're looking at or want to try um, on the computer side or if you're willing to go console or not. See what's going on with that. Yeah, for me, I mean, last week, uh, 87 car at Daytona uh, had a, I mean, there was one one race I think I did really good in. I mean, didn't win any of them, but. I mean, I would have told you if I won, but uh, I think there was one where I had a good finish towards the end, uh, finished in fifth. Yeah, I'm trying to remember now. Yeah, finished in fifth and uh, had a chance there at the end. Uh, it was final restart, started in second, but got three wide pass for the uh, second, I guess. Someone uh, took tires on that last caution with like five to go and they took tires and I had like 20 lap old tires the leader in front of me had like 20 lap old tires, uh, and then ended up finishing in, in fifth. Cause I got passed for the lead or for second, really like it was guys coming behind me so fast. And then, um, he was going to go for the three wide pass and I probably should have blocked it, but I was like, well, we have a couple of laps left here. Uh, rather uh, choose to live here and uh, fight that battle on the next lap instead of blocking, but probably should have just blocked and and uh, try to defend there, uh, especially sometimes passing can be pretty tough there. Um, and then there were some other races where I was in where got crashed out, taking out whatever. Um, one guy, I remember, yeah, one guy in front of me spun. I went to avoid and the guy behind me uh, hit me and then uh, I got taken out uh, like that. So um, a couple of races like that, but, you know, it's Daytona, you know, just trying to, trying to go up there and make it up to the front. Uh, one strategy I had figured out was to, you know, always try to lift and turn one, turn three with 87 car at, at the old Daytona seems to really work out well, saving tires, um, sets up the pass really well too. So if you try to hold it wide open, you kind of drift up towards the wall, uh, like that. And you want to try to leave that for, um, when you're trying to slingshot. Uh, other guys not anticipating it. I was able to pass a couple guys going into three. So that was, that was pretty good too. Uh, this week, um, probably going to do, um, probably going to do uh, road course racing, maybe with, uh, the Miata at Long Beach, um, Okiyama circuit as well with, uh, the Ford Mustang and one of the Miatas, um, Olden park with, uh, the rookie Miata series, uh, probably do that. If I get on iRacing, um, 87 cars at, um, at North Wilkesboro, which I haven't downloaded and well, you know, iRacing has to pay the download. So not sure if I'm going to do that. And then, uh, Indy cars are at Chicagoland in the, um, uh, yeah, Chicagoland speedway, uh, classic track for Indy cars going back to the mid two thousands, but I don't have that track either. And, you know, try to focus on the road course, uh, stuff, you know, which I haven't really done a whole lot of lately, been mostly on the ovals last couple of months. So probably, you know, go back to the road course stuff and have fun there. Which, and the lower level road courses, I feel like pretty fun, especially the, I, I don't know, the Miata, the low, um, you know, low power cars, uh, a lot of fun to drive, uh, especially on iRacing, just, it kind of, kind of, um, takes the not necessarily the power away but you know like when you're able to race uh with low power cars uh like that you really have to figure out how to get the slip of the tire uh where you want it and uh it's a lot of fun so that's probably what i'll be doing this week and then you know of course as always watch at twitch tv 
uh, slash UCLA TV and just put on the uh, subscribe notification on there or um, live notica- notification, whatever it is. And just uh, whenever I go live, I'll make sure to tweet it out as well and everything so you can see that. And of course, uh, go ahead in there and watch and uh, watch all my sim racing. So uh, that's all I got here for the uh, gaming part of it. Yeah. And let's uh, roll into you already talked about uh, where we can follow your Twitch stream, but where else can we follow you um, uh, in regards to social media and see your posts and whatever you're thinking? Yeah, as always, uh, uh, twitter.com slash JP Huffline. Go on there and we'll talk about racing, talk about the Jags, uh, talk about uh, football in general or, you know, sim racing, whatever, and go in there and talk about it. So that should be a, a interesting discussion. You know, we tweeted some stuff out in the last couple of days. You know, there's the report of uh, Blake Bortles getting tryout with the Seattle Seahawks after Russell Wilson gets hurt. Everything they have two quarterbacks on the roster, Geno Smith and Jake Luton, who also came from Jacksonville uh, this past off season and signed in Seattle there as their third quarterback. But I think they said not to sign the boat. So uh, been waiting on Blake to make his return to the NFL. We'll have to wait another whenever uh to see when he'll get another shot at a team uh at least at least have him on the sidelines he's a great guy and everything one of my favorite players uh even though he sucked just um into the way the way he was for us um i mean trevor's going to be better than when what he was but uh, you know the, the moments that blake provided for us there's still you know ver, uh, you know heartwarming and all that so that's AFC that's the championship is. game yep I mean, so Trevor, I'll, I'll talk about Trevor here in a minute. I actually didn't really talk about the Jacks, but you know, with Trevor, we see some of the flashes and stuff that he's able to do. But I mean, Blake Bortles, there was uh, one game where uh, he was able to throw a 75 yard play action pass to Killen Cole against the Seattle Seahawks in 2017. And I, I saw it, and I was like, right there, I was like, Jags are going deep into this playoffs. Uh, that was little game that convinced me that you know the JX could really really do something because the Seahawks had just beaten the uh Philadelphia Eagles uh the previous week on Monday night football and the Eagles were the team to beat then they lost to the Seahawks and then well the Jags beat them Blake had one of the best games of career and was able to uh see that I was like yeah the Jags are going deep in that 2017 playoffs and they did and made all the way to the AFC championship game and then we lost to uh Tom Brady there so uh you know, that's all that, but, you know, discussion about football, discussion about racing and other stuff. That's where you can uh, find me. And then just a uh, civil discussion, you know, always try to try to, you know, have the explanatory process, I guess. And just, um, you know, none of the uh, rational, you know, just have to clean analysis, I guess, rational discussion. That's what it's all about. Yep. That's why one of the many reasons why Josh and I are on this together uh, for me with the irrational, with the um, zoning out and drunken um, crap and anger side of things, and then just really the don't give a fuck filter because it broke a long time ago. Um, Josh brings the uh, calm, cool, um, a very measured perspective. And then when he does bring the heat, he comes through, Um, whether it's saying he's going to beat me in fantasy, which he did, um, picking Tate Fogelman, and he won. And um, other genius things he seems to do, which usually does beyond the wheel or does in his job and does in his regular life, because Josh is OG like that. Um, he does grill fillet minions, so I guess that should tell you all you need to know when you're when when you're doing that on on the side hustle. You know, when you can do the fillet minion, it's it's where we 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 all we we bow down. 
uh, bow down to to that. I'm not going to dislocate my shoulder like the Viper, like Randy Orton, even though I'm the Viper in my bowling league. But um, I will bow down. Um, you did beat me, but we will play again. I feel like, as I said to Vic, we're going to play again two more times. How that happens, um, when that happens within the playoffs, I think uh, we're going to play two more times here the this season. This league is going to be brutal. Um, it's going to be a bloodbath. Whoever wins this league is going to earn it. I'm the brokest motherfucker out of any of them. Um, Nikki actually has a job and he makes money. And because he looks like what he looks like, he makes money on the side because all the old ladies and milfs want to pay him and the grand old grandmas and all like him too. So the point is he's making money. So everybody else is rich. I'm poor. I need a bull 300 for, for to probably make a little bit of cash. So um, pray for 300. Uh, pray for me to go make a little more cash because being a para is not making um i'm not making the big bucks over here i do this out of pat it's a passion project love and all that and when it comes to the passion project and love and all that you can find me at philip g matthew i'm willing to interact i'm willing to go and talk to people there's a whole lot of interaction on my page. I kind of seem to go and interact with other others on their pages and doesn't really give me a lot of traction on my end. Uh, but, you know, work in progress. We got this podcast going. We're at 82 episodes. It tells you a lot. There's other people I've never gotten one off. So 82 episodes in, it's pretty cool. Uh, you can find at Gripstrip Podcast at Gripstrip Pod on Twitter. Uh, you can find us on Podbean, which is where uh, our host site is. And you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Pandora, and um, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn. Um, I think I added a couple others there, um, but I haven't updated it on uh, the uh, information parts here. So more or less, if you can find a podcast, if you're interested in racing, you'll or in sports, you'll find the Grip Strip Podcast. I've been telling people at my my work. I don't know how many people I told my work that I I have a podcast. So um, you know, I'm an un, we're an underground we're an we're, we're an underground legend here. Um, we're an urban legend. The uh, Grip Strip Podcast. Uh, we've had the likes of Dawson Cram who went and tweeted that um, he went. 10 minutes out of his own way, the wrong way to go and take a picture of an Alan Kowicki car, which tells you how cool he is um, because he's like 20 and he understands how much an Alan Kowicki car means, probably because of his family and all that. But um, for the people I want to shit on, the guys that actually have to work hard, grind it out, um, former guest on the show, um, has had a hard time, I think a lot since Phoenix of last year, but he's a good kid. He gets it. Um, we've had good people on this show. We've had good guests. We have people that have collabed with us like, uh, George, uh, from, you know, Sportlight Pro, George House in Sportlight Pro, um, F1, uh, Chronicle, F1 Grid Talk podcast. And, you know, we've had Tom from the, uh, Monkey Seat podcast. We've had a lot, we've had people. Uh, journalists that cover NASCAR. We've had Phil Spain, who's becoming a um, social media uh, mogul, um, probably going to be Bubba's PR guy here soon enough. Um, so reality is we get people, we do it the right way. We go and we're honest. We don't leave anything out on, uh, we don't leave anything on the, on the plate. We go and go full force 
And uh, if you like that, you like the Riftford Podcast. Um, take care of yourself. Take care of one another. Take care of the people that matter to you most. Take care of those. Take care of your fellow man and woman in um, our current fights that we have um, with what's going on in our society. Let's be smarter. Let's be better to one another. Let's be able to enjoy the things that we love and be able to do better. Uh, because frankly, this is all we have right now, you know, or this is what we have right now and who knows what's going to come, but for what we have, let's do the best we can. Let's do good for our children so that they can go to school and not have to be in fear and not have to fear pandemic diseases and getting shot. Um, let's do right by the people that have built whatever we have here and be better for one another. Um, you'd think things like bubble wall sweating or some of these other people doing well would be a sign of positivity, but it's actually negativity. And um, not a part of being in the negativity. Uh, people want to say I am. I'm honest. We're honest. At the end of the day, you take it as negativity, you probably didn't want to hear it. The reality is it's okay. It's life. You don't have to agree. But we all have our words. We all use our, the way we use our words and how we use our words is power. Words are power. Words can go and change things. Words can affect people. And the reality is I'm not trying to go and affect people and we're not trying to affect people in a negative way. We just tell the truth. We see what we see. If people want to correct it and come on our show, correct it. You don't want to correct it, deal with it as it may. Live life. Be good. And uh, we'll see you next week for episode 83. We'll preview the U.S. Grand Prix. We'll review Texas. Preview for NASCAR. We'll preview Kansas uh, for NASCAR. Um, got MotoGP. Got other series going on. Got IndyCar Silly Season, IMSA, Convergence stuff, football. Niners will be coming off the bye. So we'll get in all that. Hopefully bowling will be good for me. Josh will be winning races. And uh, we'll be back next week for the Ripshire podcast. We thank you for listening and subscribing uh, and um, take care. Goodbye.